0: I
1: hate water, you know. (laughs) I do these water fasts, and and you just end up hating water. Well, my wife will be very disappointed, but check my glasses out. (laughs) I I picked the wrong glasses, but maybe I'm in the right place. (laughs) Among New England University students and whatever else. So I hope you're not distracted by the zebra. I know we have just a few minutes this morning. And uh, I was pondering uh, my message last night that uh, that most of you weren't at. And I, I'm i a man of dreams. How many of you get dreams? You know, keep your hands way up. No half mass. Look at this. Everybody gets dreams. Now, I, I didn't ask what kind of dreams that you have. How many get dreams from heaven? Same thing. This is stunning to me because it is the language of the last days. It is the language of the Holy Spirit. The book is the foundation of our lives. But how many of you like to get a personal love letter every now and then? Where heaven breaks into your world with a word that tells you who you are and what you're to be about. I, don't, I was pondering today the dream that was given many years ago with my friend Chris Berglin here in New England. I shared it last night. And he went into a bookstore here in New England, an ancient bookstore. He went down into the basement, and everybody thought he was going to bring books back like Finney and Revival or about the old revivalist, which is glorious. Instead, he brought out this package, this bag. He opened the book, and he found two books that were needed for our community in New England, and they were by a man named Bruce Wilkinson. Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book called The Jabez Prayer. How many of you ever read The Jabez Prayer? few of you. The other book was by Bruce Wilkinson as well. I don't remember the name of it, but the book that I think is a book called The Dream Giver that has been basically a foundational book for my own personal life. Um, I've asked the question this morning, why were these two books necessary for New England? And I pondered it, and I began to think, the reason these two books or Maybe this book by Bruce Wilkinson, the Jabez Prayer, or the Dream Giver, is important, is because everything in this community and in this society and culture seeks to destroy the dream of God, and that there is a spirit that would lead people into apathy, disappointment, and discouragement. That you need to have a people that dream the dreams of God in the midst of the nightmares that go on in people's lives. It's actually, I felt as if the Lord was speaking because we went back and we were reading old dreams from New England. We got a whole whole package of dreams. And one of the dreams was Chris Berglund's dream. And in this dream, he saw a graph of normal places and the spiritual warfare that would take place. And at certain places it was 40, 45%. But when he got to New England, the graph kicked up to 90%. In other words, if you're gonna live in a culture like this, you're gonna have to have an experience of awe. A beacon that will keep you alive when everything else is dictating to you a different thought, a different ideology, a different way of life, a different culture. God brings moments of awe into our lives, not just so they become shooting stars, but they become light and lamps and and beacons to hold you on your line until the day comes when the dream is fulfilled. I I really believe this is true. I believe that God has sent you. It is critical that you have a dreaming community in the midst of Boston. So that's what I want to talk about. I love dreams. I'm a dreamer of dreams. Maybe it's the most powerful thing that a person can say is I have a dream. Martin Luther King had a dream, and that dream filled the whole globe. I have a dream. I just recently have a dream. I have a dream that God can heal the race issue in America. When it seems like racism and Nazism exploding everywhere, it seems that this, this nation is more divided than it ever was. In the middle of it, God injects his dream into the middle of it. And God gave us a gave a, a prophet a word, his name was Bob Jones, of the revival man that would rise in America and his head would rise in Cleveland. You may have heard recently of the call Cleveland. We went there, and this is what we do. Before we hold a gathering, and we're gonna hold a, a gathering in a place called the Q. Ever hear to, heard of the Q? Well, you guys are from Boston. <laughs> the Qs is where the Cleveland Cavaliers play. LeBron James and gang. We were going to hold a gathering in December, I mean in July, in Cleveland. And we went into the city of Cleveland for 30 days and we fasted for 30 days because we don't look to have great events. We look to get breakthroughs in the spirit. And fasting is one way of God's means of giving us breakthroughs. We went in there and on the 22nd day, I met with African-American pastors. Our politics were different, but they loved Jesus, and I love Jesus. I found myself in a meeting with these brothers telling my story. A megachurch pastor in Cleveland, African-American man said, we know that you hear God, we'll join you at the queue. When you have a prophetic testimony, it's hard to argue. You can argue doctrine. You can argue your thoughts. But it's pretty hard to argue when heaven has come and talked to a man. Give us some men and women in New England who are baptized with confidence because they have heard God. And that thing actually penetrates the lies and actually gives new hope and vision in the midst of frustration and difficulty. I shared my story, and they... And we, they said, we're going to run with you, Lou. So I was pondering this on this fast, and the Lord began to deal with me by the name Cleveland. The name Cleveland is spelled C L E V E L A N D, but it was first of all named Cleveland C L E A V E L A N D. Did you catch the difference? It's and the Lord spoke to me: the revival man's going to rise in America when the African-American and the Anglos cleave together around Jesus. The night before we held our gathering, my friend had a dream, and in this dream, he saw the queue, the basketball court, where we're going to gather the next day. In this dream, he saw four angels with big Gatorade bottles. (laughs) You know, I mean, containers like they have at a game. And it was filled with oil. And they said to him in the dream, we're queuing up, waiting for the initiative of the fourth man in the fire, Jesus. And in the dream, everybody on the floor that were playing had jerseys on and written on their jerseys was Psalm 133. Come on. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the oil. It's like the oil poured out upon the head of Aaron, the high priest, flowing down to the robes. And the Lord just spoke to our hearts for this dream. He says, when you cleave together, that's where I'm going to pour out the oil of the Holy Spirit. They were all together in one place and in one accord. And on my jersey... On my shirt, Chris Berglund had a a sign on my jersey, was inscribed the scripture, Acts 8, 29. Of course, he didn't know what that was. He looked it up, and it was this. It was when Philip joined the Ethiopian chariot, the black man. The Lord spoke to me, if you'll get in the chariot of the African-American church, I'll send revival to America. I'm now on a seven-city journey across America to dare to believe that God can heal the race issue. And in the middle of it, we're actually carrying Will and Matt all along their story. Which they, Do they know their, this story here? Of the African-American man and the uh, white man that together are finding out, they found out that they are actually, uh, these uh, two men One was his family were the slaves of the slave owners. It's a stunning story, and they're fulfilling the prophecy of Martin Luther King. And that prophecy is that on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slave will be in brotherhood with the sons of former slave owners. They just were recently at the Lincoln Memorial. In the midst of all this division, God injects a dream. He injects a story that creates a new alternative. That's what dreams do. Dreams create a new alternative. They bring you into the thoughts and imaginations of God. They suddenly change your world to begin to think that there are different things to to be laid hold of in my life. I am not living a boring life. There is a realm open to us in dreams that create a new alternative to the present faded time of uh, of this moment. Oh, New England needs a dream from heaven. I need a dream from heaven. This is where I'm at on this thing. I wrote this book called The Jesus Fast. Something about fasting opens our, uh, the realm of revelation to us. I wrote, uh, uh, I didn't write it. Frankly, it was another guy, but I like to quote. <laughs> if I could find it. He says this. Fasting is not a tool for gaining discipline or piety. Instead, fasting is is the act of ridding ourselves of fullness. Let me go slowly. Fasting is not a tool for gaining discipline or piety. Instead, fasting is the act of ridding ourselves of fullness to attune our senses to the mysteries that swirl in and around us. We're living this boring life. Another quote here, I'm not done with that one. By John Piper, millions don't defy God consciously. They default to cake and television. Except for a periodic rush of sex and sport and cinema, life yawns. There's no passion for significance. For many, no passion at all. We live a life filled with periodic rushes of sex, sport, and cinema. We are bored Christians. But in fasting, we empty ourselves of fullness and attune our senses to the mysteries that swirl in and around us. Sometimes God shows up. Sometimes he feeds us. And every now and then, he throws his wild glory before us like bursting constellations. Thank you very much for that clap. You must have fasted sometime. Actually, I believe that this is a community that is to live not a bored life, living from cinema to sex to sport, but they are to be caught up in the swirling dreams of God, living a life on the earth as if we're heavenly beings. Of which we really are. For we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Therefore, set your affections on things above. Not on things below. This whole world is filled with voices. Entertainment. And in the middle of it, there is a dimension of the spirit that is available to the hungry and to the thirsty. And every now and then, he breaks into our boring world and tells us that we are Joseph, meant to rule. Come on. Oh, come on, you guys. This is glorious. That the God that we serve is not a God of only doctrine. He's a God of intimacy. Oh, Lord, our Lord. Ma- it's, it's not, oh, Lord, the Lord. Oh, Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name. Come on. Your glory is written in the skies. Woke up this morning for that beautiful hotel. Thank you for oh, this hotel very much. And you gave us the best. And we open, we open our windows, and there's this incredible view of Boston. With those lights on those buildings. And I thank God we are in heaven. <laughs> no, we're in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I want to invite you into a realm of imagination, of glory. Yes, boring days, but with an expectation of visitation. Yeah. We are never to cease expecting visitation, to live our lives in kind of a peekaboo thing with God. <laughs> There's a great quote in the book. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said this, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush ablaze. Those who see take off their shoes. The rest stand around and pick blackberries. Let me say it again. Earth is crammed with heaven. In other words, God is talking everywhere. You can be an intellectual and miss the whole thing, but written on your bridge over here, you just told me, is there it's engraved. What does it say? The leaves of healing for the nations, even your bridges are prophesying who you are. Wow. But you just stand around and pick blackberries and pass it rather than seeing it as a prophecy. Wow. See, God's voice in the new in the Middle Eastern culture of Israel of the time. This is, how, this is how they understood God. We miss we moments of awe. We live our lives going through life on a freeway rather than standing and looking and wondering where is God. He's here. The first dream I ever had, as I recall, was when I was down in a, in a city and the man said, Please bring us water for the city. And I went up, and the scene changed, and I'm up on this high hill, high mountain, and there's a well, and I am pulling water from the well, and I'm actually taking it in a glass cup of water, uh, whatever, you know what I mean, <laughs> and I'm going to bring it to the city, but it gets dark, and I'm bringing this glass of water to the city, and in the dream, suddenly, I realize it's it's dark and there's cars flying this way you know how it is like a red, red lights on a freeway and white lights like this and I got a dodge through the freeway to get to this to the man with, who needs the water in the city and I come to him and he says did you bring the water and I said I looked and I didn't have the water I ran back to the freeway and I lost it in the freeway I, with broken glass in the freeway, and I realized the Lord was speaking to me at an early age as a believer. He says, don't lose the water of the Holy Spirit for the busyness of ministry. Wow. Now, you could have a dream like that and blow it off, or I could say, "It's." I feel like I'm kind of living in that right now. I don't want to lose the water. The wonder yeah. of God everywhere. Earth is crammed with heaven. Say it with me. And every common bush ablaze. Those who see take off their shoes. The rest stand around and pick blackberries. It's about Moses. When he saw the burning bush, a common bush, God is everywhere. He's in a dream. He's in a person that you encounter. Life is to be supernatural in all dimensions. Listen, we lose our sense of awe, as a quote said, and and the world becomes a marketplace. We lose a sense of awe, and the world becomes a marketplace. We use things rather than wonder. I tell it's time to recover a sense of wonder in the middle of New England. Dreams. I wonder about a young man coming to this university has no idea but there's a group of people praying and suddenly he has a dream in his dorm room and revival breaks out (laughs) this is how you live your life believing these kinds of things are taking place now with expectation got this great little book called dream with my zebra glasses (laughs) of course in the back of this book i got dreams dreams The guiding constellations of my life. I got all kinds of them written down here. Have you ever sat down and written down all your dreams? And rather than say cool dream, you begin to ponder what are they telling you? What are they calling you to? I love this. This is about Joseph. This guy's name is Mark Rutland. Let me read a little bit of it. He says... I dreamed we were binding weed into sheaves. The youngest learns quickly to ignore the constant barbs of elder siblings. He decided to skip the details, the brilliant sun on golden weed, its realistic warmth upon his back, the sickles snapping, whatever, through ripe stalks. And when we set up our sheaves, all bound in a circle, yours and father's bound to mine, that's what I dreamed. And as he said these words aloud, not allowed, Not even beginning to understand their implications. He knew something new deep within himself. He knew not at a cognitive level. Not even entirely conscious of the knowing. Let alone the knowledge. That from now on that dream. That wonderful golden vision of the night. Was the crucial reality of his life. Come on. I want you to catch this. Have you ever had a golden vision of the night. That became a crucial reality for the rest of your life. Having dreamed the dream, this knowledge came upon him unbidden from where precisely he was unsure. Now having spoken the dream, Joseph had made it his. He had received it and owned it. Now it was not just another dream. It was his dream for good or ill. The dream, this dream from this moment on was to be the guiding constellation by which he found his path, explained his pain, and fulfilled his destiny. Come on, let me say that again. The guiding constellation by which he found his path explained his pain and fulfilled his destiny. How many have ever had a dream like that? How many of you ever had a dominating dream by which the rest of your life would be overshadowed by a sense of expectation and wonder and it would actually call you into decisions way beyond your safety zone, into the zone of faith, where you follow the circuitous paths of the Holy Spirit, leading you from, one, from a job that makes you secure into a job that is totally insecure, but totally not boring. You try to map out your life. I'll tell you, there is a, there is a Holy Spirit that leads you into the uncommon way. Oh, the wonder of it all. And the Lord gave me a prayer, a defining prayer like Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and extend my boundaries. And I prayed, how can I turn America back to God? And then suddenly a woman comes into my life and says, you don't know who I am, but the Lord told me to pay your salary this year because you're going to start something with the youth of American prayer that will change the destiny of the nation and leads to 400,000 on the mall. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't stay in a job. Because I heard a voice, the voice who loves me and calls me and mapped out a journey for me before I was ever born and wrote a book about me before I was ever born. Oh, to live under the shadow of the author and the finisher of your faith. Listen, there are dreams on the other side of God's heart for you that are going to lead to the greatest awakening in America's history because I've seen a dream and I refuse to be daunted by the statistics that tell me otherwise. Or the siblings who say you can't do that. The dream busters who say it's not safe for you. To follow God is not safe, but it's not boring. Can we go on? He says this boyhood As he had known it was finished the moment he received the dream. Not yet a man, a lad, a boy really, now older than his brothers, older even beyond his father. Joseph had stepped out, Daryl, up beyond the well-traced goat paths of his childhood and onto a trail and traveled. He'd never been this before. Now he was on a dream trek on the horrible, wonderful highway of commanding destiny. How many of you are on the wonderful, horrible, it starts wonderful, it becomes horrible. But in the, in the end, Joseph gets his dream. How many of you are on a commanding highway of destiny? How many of you have looked at your lives that there are moments of awe that you've bypassed, treated them like shooting stars, when heaven is talking everywhere? Oh, in fasting, suddenly he may feed us, he may do something wonderful, but sometimes he casts his bursting glory like constellations. I want you to open yourself up to divine encounter, to expectation in a land filled with religious systems that don't allow the supernatural. In a land filled with intellectualism, false ideologies, in the middle of it, there is a company on a hilltop that's higher than the hills of Boston's authority. Well, I had a dream, and in the dream, Ted Kennedy came into the house of prayer, and he was drawn like a magnet to the house of prayer. I could say, cool dream, or I could say, no, I tell you, God's going to do something in the political realm. They're going to be influenced by the house of prayer that's going on here because there's a hill above Capitol Hill. It's the hill that Jesus has installed. He says, ask of me. I'll give you Boston as your inheritance. The end of the earth is your possession. I could read more, but i got to be done here soon. I'll do a little bit more of this the next time. Joseph knew in the marrow of his mind that come what may, his dream received, not just dream, but truly received, would now define his life. He had first welcomed it and now spoken the thing, and there was no calling it back. Despite a slight involuntary shiver, the boy also knew he did not want to call it back. Even as he had laid hold on the dream, the dream had laid hold on him. Joseph knew that from now on, His dream was for the rest of his life, the presiding truth in light of which every experience must be viewed and comprehended. God had given Joseph a dream. The early fathers in the Bible, they were all dreamers and revelatory men. You know what? I think we need to get back to where our fathers came from. The word of God was given to us in the law. The law was an old, uh, uh, was a preparatory day for for. The era of grace. We have the scriptures to give us boundaries and understanding and revelation. But I want to tell you, the Bible from Old and New Testament beginning with Abraham is, a God, is, is the Bible of revelation. Yeah. And there are opposers to revelation in this city. Yeah. But God will always exalt the revelatory man yeah. over the man who his mind has set on lower things. I want to call you into a dream of God. The dream that Bethany and Daryl have had. The dream that I have had. The dream, and I wish you could tell it, and maybe I'll have you share it again just for my sake. I've come to the point, looking at what's gone on with Matt Lockett and Will Ford, 13 years into it, and suddenly in moments of divine events, unfolding of a storyline that is so far off the charts, I want to just tell you, if you can stick with your dream long enough, you can come to the place of a fulfillment. We haven't seen it yet, but literally we could be within a couple of years of Roe v. Wade overturned, of a dream that we've carried for 13 years, that just like they legalized, uh, they, they said that, that Dred Scott was not a person, so too they have said that the unborn child is not a person. If he isn't, than the dream book that God wrote about my life before I was ever born is birth pretty worthless. I have a dream today. abortion's going to end. I have a dream that New England's going to get a third great awakening. In fact, I have come, become more confident the older I get. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a much better person, but I, I got more faith. It's very interesting. Maybe I shared it here before, and I'll, maybe I'll end it here very interesting that the Bible says that Abraham grew strong in faith. Since says he grew strong in faith. It's interesting. He did not waver in unbelief. Called those things that were not as if though they were. That's what dreams do. They bring you, they give you a vision that you can articulate an alternative vision. What does it mean he did not waver in unbelief? When I read the Bible, I think Abraham was filled with unbelief. He gives his wife away basically twice. He does the deal with, uh, what, what's her name? What, 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 what was her name? Hagar trying to pull off because he doesn't think God can pull off the dream. Well, I've done that. What do you mean he doesn't waver in belief? Great book written by a man named Bob Sorge said this. He says, it looks like Abraham's life is up and down like this. But he said, but God was not judging on, on his ups and downs, but on the trajectory of his faith. That his faith kept increasing in spite of his difficulties. The more he went on, the more he had faith that that child was going to be born. I look at what we started here in 2006 in a 40-day fast. I look at the dream that you had about Boston and and about that other school down the road. What was its name? Bradford. I read the story. I read the dreams, and then I look at this journey that once was just a little house of prayer down the street, is now growing in ever-increasing impact. I'm saying that I believe we will see the fulfillment of a dream because God will not fasten our soul to a dead-end vision. I want us today to recover a sense of awe, to go back to the promises that were given to you, a prophecy Given to me when I was 35, 40 years ago, that I'd be a prophet to the nations. And I'm I remember looking back then and thinking, prophet to the nations, man. I'm a I quit, I, I quit uni, universe, I quit seminary, I'm mowing lawns for, for $4 an hour, struggling with sin, and they say I'm gonna be a prophet to the nations. And I look back now, 35 years later. And I'm all over the world. And I'm seeing, oh, how God is is able to fulfill the dream. I want you to remember your moments of awe. Go back over your life and journal and go back and remember your moments of awe. Because those moments of awe might keep you alive when you can't see anything. That the God is the storyteller of your life when I got hit by an 18-wheeler, 65 miles an hour in a little dotson, and I'd just been saved. I looked back and I said, "God, the devil was trying to kill me when I was newly because he knew. But God is my shepherd. He shielded me, f- flipping through the air. See, take a piece of your life, that moment of awe, and you turn it into a worship experience. You turn the windows of God's happenings in your life into wonder, and your wonder into worship. It's actually a great plan of devotion. When you have a window, it could be a movie. Calls your name. Just recently, my son, 16 years old, going through things, is watching Walter Mitty. The secret life of Walter Mitty. And he's into cameras. And he sees a picture when the man is doing the filming in the mountain. Remember that? He's watching it with a group of students. And he walks through his room, and just disappears. My daughter went back to find him after a time. He'd been weeping for two hours because he knew that God had opened a window of something that he would be. Come on. Oh, God is breaking in everywhere if we have eyes to see. Can we discover a new sense of awe like Jacob traveling as a homeless dude, running from his brother who wants to kill him, lays his head on a stone. Bam! And has a dream. And he says, how awesome is this place. Why don't you treat your dreams like this? And say how awesome this place. And let him carry you to the next journey. Stand with me. I want to encourage you to join this dream team at Hilltop. And see a great student volunteer missions movement. I want you to join this dream team not with just a a casual connection. If you hang around the dream king, you get into a dream stream, you join yourself to a dream team, and you do the Martin Luther King thing. God is not looking for people who will simply drop in once in a while. He is looking for a company who have been caught up with a dream that's even bigger than theirs. He's looking for an upper room company that have set their face on the awesome promises of God and the God who is awesome. Give us a core in the middle of New England have set their face. We will see this dream come true no matter what it costs us. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God would visit you in moments of awe. And in these days and weeks ahead, something will change in your families. Yes,
0: I, I want him to pray, but I, I rarely interrupt him at the end. But I, all it takes for you today is to believe. I feel like as a mom, what my dream is, is to have every son and daughter, my own seven, and then every one of you to come into your dream. So your dream doesn't have to be Daryl and Bethany's. But that's God's dream that you can sow some into. As you sow into their dream, I believe you'll come into yours. The only thing I think that that could keep you from that is you disqualifying yourself because of comparison or past sin or shame. So I'm just feeling that strongly this morning. So I thought I'd get up and say, don't disqualify yourself. This is for you. Not in the person down the row from you. But there's border bullies. There's people that have come in your life, or you may be your own bully, that have said, oh, you could never do that. You have a dream, but you disqualify yourself and you say, because of my past, I won't ever be able to do this. And God does not see you according to your past. I'll just end with this. Lou's 30-year friend that knows him well, he came in this last week to a meeting, and we were just beginning to pray, and he said, Lou, I see something over you. He said, I see very clearly a scroll. And we don't think in terms of scrolls because that's an old-time thing. But a scroll is what they would write on. And it's what Scripture in Psalm 40, it talks about. There's a scroll, a dream written over your life. It's what God's put, that computer chip inside you. And he said, I believe what the Lord is saying is that you see for other people their scrolls. But he said, the way God sees it is going forward. He sees what he wants you to become, not according to the past. So I just, I just want you to throw off the past and say, God, what is that dream that you've been speaking to me? What is it you want me to go forward with? And then I'll have Lou pray. Thank
1: you, honey. Yeah, the dream, he says, he saw that I was reading people's scrolls over them. Jesus said, he took the scroll. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And then it says, he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was reading the destiny of his own life. Come on, I want you to just say, God, I want to reclaim the scroll of God. Not my good ideas. I open myself up to moments of awe. That shift me and turn me in new directions that cause me to know who I am. Would you just do that right now? I open my heart to to break in to encounter to awe. Holy Spirit, just come right now. There are those here in decision moments. You've felt this inward restlessness and circumstances seem to be driving you to a decision, but everything screams within you, it's not safe. But God says, be strong and courageous. Cross over into the new day of your life. Father, I just pray that you would release dreams in New England. God, these are needed in the middle of this society. The very dreams of God, Lord. Break-ins of awe, God. Loose the spirit of prophecy on the community, God. where we prophesy over one another and stunning things take place, God. Lord, loose the spirit of prophecy in a city that wars against prophecy. Paul kept praying, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Father, in the midst, God, of the wise and intelligent, would you release revelation? Cause Boston to be a city of revelation. Cause every person to step into revelation to thrill their souls so they don't have to be given over entertainment and sports addictions because our soul was meant to be filled with god instead we filled with other things because we have lost a sense of awe come on reach out say god give me a new sense of awe in my life he'll do this if you want him if you'll begin to seek him if you seek him like treasure like gold and that silver god i want I want to move beyond my own bank, my business, God. I want to know the God who directs me in my course of business, finance, in Jesus' name. Father, I, we search for you. We search for encounter with you, God. So that God, in the middle of a Canaanite world, a prophet like Abraham would be building altars and heaven appearing to them preparing the day when the land becomes God's Father I pray for Bethany, I pray for Daryl I pray give them a company but stand with them, we say we will never ever give up on the story of heaven for New England we, reshi- we refuse to look at how far it's gone away from the original intention but in the name of Jesus we have set our face. For the third great awakening the student volunteer missions movement but we have set our face that America will turn in a massive awakening and in the middle of it God you'll have Daniels in business places nurses in hospitals God who are intercessors walking their halls with sense of wonder chosen and beloved of God just reach your hands up and say, now I'm just going to receive. Come on. i open my whole being to the God of awe. And I'm doing it too, Lord. I need fresh wind. I need fresh encounter with you. He's coming. So I lose dreams over them tonight, to this morning, Lord. Dreams from heaven. Dreams of the day. Dreams of the night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'd like to encourage you. Usually, a word is lost. Like a seed, immediately the busyness of your schedule or whatever basically steals the seed. Today, I would, I would like you to, to go pick up a journal. I'd like you to start a journey with me. I'd like you to write down every dream you've ever had. I want I'd like you to write down every movie that moved your heart and you wept at. This is what I do. Write every person that came into your life that was a turning point. You start making this and then you begin to pray and you begin to ponder and you begin to see that a story is being written over you. I'm 65, just turned 65. I'm looking in the rearview mirror of my life. One man said to me he said tell all those under 40 seize the day and lay hold of your destiny and after they turn 40 tell them it was all planned anyway because i look back over my life and i said nobody could have written the script that i'm walking come on make my life extraordinary oh that you would bless me indeed oh that you would bless me indeed and extend my boundaries it's a new day. Say, it's a new day. I'm going to awaken my soul. We say, it's not safe to let in these kinds of spirit, spiritual encounters. Someone said this. You can close the windows of your house to keep out the flies, but you'll never get the wind. But you can open the windows and get the wind of the Holy Spirit. How much more shall the Father give good gifts than them that ask? He's not going to give you snake if you ask. Oh, give me the Holy Spirit. Give us the Holy Spirit. Go pray. Just pray. God, give us. Give my children the Holy Spirit. For without an encounter, they're going on just hearsay. Give my kids an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Give Boston and Harvard an encounter with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thank you, Lou. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So in line to some things that we've been preaching the last couple of weeks and pursuing as a community in the book of Acts. God is a smart God. He's a genius. Lord, I thank you for refreshing my soul this morning. God, I thank you that my heart is burning within me. What a precious gift. God, I pray that you would do this Throughout our community, throughout those here this morning, God, that we would cry out for the Holy Spirit always.
1: I, I, I just got a word. I just laid it before you. I see coming testimony meetings where literally people are going to be getting up here and giving testimonies. Of how God is encountering me in small ways and in great. Day. I believe that testimonies must be actually begin to carry the fire of ex, ex expectancy and experience. And I just saw it. That God, wouldn't it be amazing if we have testimony meetings? I, I got I got raised in revival movements, and remember the old folks dancing and telling their stories. And I wondered, how do they know God like that? I'd like to see something like that someday. Amen. Anyway, I just uh, I'll give
2: you another a great word.
0: On that note, one of the things we've done over the years is called DreamStream. And earlier, while Lou was preaching, get together with a small group, your friends. Maybe it's your work people. Maybe it's in your college dorm. And say, hey, this is believers and unbelievers. Because unbelievers have so many dreams that they don't know what to do with. Get together and say, what are your dreams? And then just you know, give an open door for the Lord and what he wants to do.
2: Well, we have another chance to do this again, to glorify God and to hear his word um, at 11. So if you want to stick around, hopefully there's room. Um, As a new crowd of people come in, we'd encourage you to, even if you have to pull up some carpet. Listen, we get Lou like once a year. I suggest if you can stay, stay. It's going to be good. I guarantee it would be much different than first service. We love you guys. Hey, listen, if you're new,